0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. Which means that Aaron and I have both just watched episode five of Moon Knight, which we will discuss at length on the second half of today's show. Anyway, folks, lots and lots of news this week. Most of it coming out of Las Vegas, where CinemaCon, which is where exhibitors gather annually, and the studios then show off their next year's worth of product. That's being held this year at Caesars Palace. This year's event ran from Monday, April 25th through, well, tomorrow, uh, Thursday, April 28th. And Sony Pictures did its presentation on Monday night. Disney did their big presentation today, uh, Wednesday, April 27th, and uh, we will be sharing all sorts of news that came out of the Disney and Sony Comic-Con presentations in a moment, but the news portion of this week's Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, Aaron, we are going to start on the Sony side of the street. More importantly, let's just get the bad news out of the way. Did you see what, what happened to Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse part one?
1: Yes, but we're living in the post COVID days where date changes on movies is just a thing that happens as commonly as Monday and
0: Tuesday. This is very true. And, and. What Aaron is referring to is the first uh, Cross the Spider-Verse film Uh, was originally supposed to open in theaters October 7th of this year, just got its release date pushed back to June 2nd, 2023. This is actually the second time the release date of this uh, Sony Pictures Animation production got pushed back Uh, when... Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse was first announced back in November, 2019 supposed to arrive in theaters actually this month. If they'd stayed the course, it would have been in theaters on April 8th of this year. And of course, because part one of across the Spider-Verse got pushed to back to 2023 part two wound up getting pushed as well. It's now going to open in theaters on March 29th, 2024 Upside is, we finally know what the subtitle of that film is, and it's Beyond the Spider-Verse.
1: I think it would have been really funny if they wouldn't have moved it, and somehow that we got part two before part one. Just because of a scheduling error.
0: This actually reminds me of Mel Brooks at one point, toyed with the idea of making a sequel to Spaceballs. But it was called Spaceballs 3, The Search for Spaceballs 2. Mm. It was basically going to be the first film that made fun of movie sequels. The idea was you were seeing the sequel to a movie you'd never seen. Mm-hmm. And they were constantly referring to, oh, remember that thing that happened in the last movie? And boy, wasn't that an amazing effect <laughs>
1: sequence? Of <laughs> the the budget was like $10 million for just seven seconds of film.
0: Yeah. And, it was, and there was one of these things where it's like a lot of series actual, but uh, What about the the two? It's like, no, that's the joke. There is no two. Mm -hmm. And and they would not go for it. But anyway, speaking of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1, what was really cool about the Sony presentation is they got to see a work-in-progress version of the first 15 minutes of Across the Spider-Verse. And from what I've heard from friends who were at this presentation, I mean, it was work in progress, a lot of rough animation, not finished paint or animation, but it was crazy good. Just warning up front, some minor spoilers for this film coming. So it supposedly starts off in Gwen Stacy's world, which is Earth 65. Does that sound right, Aaron? I don't know. There's
1: so many different Earth numbers that they've got that I, I lost track. All I know is our main is six one six and the rest I just gave up about.
0: Well, uh, again, it's so funny you say that because literally every time a character comes on screen in this thing, they pause for a moment and identify which earth they just came from. Oh, Hey, that's actually very, very helpful. I like that. Well, you're going to need a lot of help with this film because Phil Lord and Chris Miller, when, after they showed the footage came on stage and said, okay, look, this movie's crazy ambitious. The last Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse had only 40 characters in it, whereas Across the Spider-Verse has 240. It's set in six different universes, all of which have their own art style. This is how it starts out. So we have Gwen Stacy coming home. Her dad is washing the dishes, and he's talking with his daughter. Uh, By the way, Gwen Stacy's dad is a policeman just like Miles Morales' dad is a policeman. And he brags to his daughter that, hey, we just got a break in the Spider Woman case. And then news comes across a police scanner that there's a supervillain event in progress at the Guggenheim Museum. and. Dad heads out, Gwen suits up and heads out as Spider Woman, both of them heading to the Guggenheim to investigate. And the vulture's there, only he's not Earth 65's version of the vulture. He's in this ornate, almost gladiator like armor, and he speaks Italian. And as he and Gwen are, are fighting, he gets the better of her. And just as she realizes that, whoa, this is not the vulture from my dimension. And the vulture is about to offer Miguel O'Hara from earth. 928 swoops in. All right. Now that would be
1: Spider-Man 2099 for the uninitiated.
0: And it could put me in with the uninitiated. Cause I didn't know that. All right. So now you have Gwen and Miguel fighting the vulture together. And as the fight's going on, Miguel reveals to Gwen, That what they did in the first film when they they blew up the Kingpin super collider on, and and they're saying here it was Earth 610. So
1: not our proper MCU-verse. It's off by six. There we go. We're in the neighborhood.
0: We're in the neighborhood. But when, when they blew up the super collider, they didn't close the multiverse. They had the opposite effect. They blew a hole in the multiverse so wide that supervillains like the vulture from another earth can now easily pass from one dimension to the other. Boy, that
1: sounds a whole lot like a Morbius thing I didn't need explained. but go ahead.
0: <laughs> okay. So the next chunk of what was shown gets into what's going on in Miles Morales' life, and we're going to leave that. Just, you know, the whole premise now of we have a large hole in the multiverse and something must be done with it. And again, we we mentioned the whole Phil Lord and Chris Miller thing about how ambitious this is. They have a team of a thousand people working at Sony Pictures Animation on this thing, trying to get it completed. So more power to them. Because again, everyone who came out of this presentation said, Oof, even in rough form, this was killer stuff. While we're talking about Sony news coming out of CinemaCon, We learned that Venom 3 has been greenlit. There is no release date yet. On the other hand, Madam Web, the Dakota Johnson film, actually does have a release date now. It is July 7th, 2023 as does Craven. That Spider-Man spinoff will arrive in theaters January 13th of next year, so basically six months before Madame Web. And uh, this seems to be teeing up how aggressive Sony is looking to get in regard to the Spider-Verse. And then uh, Sony also revealed that they are developing an Il Morto movie. Are you familiar with this character from the spider-verse
1: no i i saw the headline and i read it and i went really this guy is connected and the and so when i found out that he was a wrestler i figured mm-hmm. well the only time that spider-man ever encountered a wrestler really was mm-hmm. in his introduction story when yep he's trying to make some cash real quick and he does mm-hmm. his wrestling bit in the movie from 2002 you had ooh, the macho man randy savage oh yeah uh, Mm -hmm. doing his thing as the wrestler, which is a far cry from El Morte uh, Mm -hmm. or El Morto. And so I couldn't see any reason why it's not like he's, you know, Tom Holland's version of Spider-Man already exists. I don't see him going to any wrestling matches anytime soon. I don't know how they're supposed to be tying this character into the spider verse in any way, shape or form. And uh, then after reading the article, They say that this character has only appeared in two Spider-Man comics so far. So is this like the deepest dive that Sony could make on the most (sighs) obscure character they could come up with? What is the game plan outside of, I mean, there is a Latino audience that could use some entertainment with that, that represents them. So I understand that as a, uh, looking at an untapped market, you got to fill it with a character. I don't
0: know if this one is a little bit on the cliche side, but, uh, I don't know. Well, What's kind of interesting about this is that it, it seems to be more driven by the casting than I, and as you mentioned, the only the two comic books that bad bunny, the, the Puerto Rican rapper, singer, record producer, actor, and professional wrestler uh, evidently expressed interest in the project and they developed it for him. And a gimmick of course for El Morto is that evidently it's his mask that gives him the superpowers. Didn't so, Jim Carrey do uh, that once? Uh, that's true. And I mean, hey, if this
1: guy is funding it, I mean, cause he's, you know, he's, he's got money, he's working, he's doing his thing. And he comes to a studio and goes, I would like to do this, please. Here is a pile mm-hmm. of money that can get us started. Uh, I think that makes the negotiations a lot quicker than if you're just coming in this. off the street. So uh, maybe this guy's got a vision about something
0: and he's a fan. So mm-hmm. we'll see what it is. We'll see what it is. However, it is worth noting that during this presentation, laying out very ambitious plans for the spunk universe, there was no mention of a Morbius follow-up. Oh, oh, oh. The best line I heard on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Because Morbius,
1: f- the bed harder than Amber Heard, there will be no sequel. <laughs> oh, Wow. Oh, I laughed for like an entire afternoon over that and it probably is going to get a good old fashioned editing out of the show, okay. but
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean face it, Morbius at this point, um we're looking at 69 uh, million dollars total in domestic t- ticket sales, 87 million overseas. So, worldwide box office is at 157 million. So, they've studio's basically covered its production costs and its promotion costs. And everyone got a stick of gum. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, and the interesting thing is the movie actually becomes available for purchase digitally on May 19th. There's been in the industry a weird chilling effect that two other vampire projects just in like the last week to 10 days uh, that were gearing up for production suddenly get halted there's Karen Kusuma's Dracula reimagining the Mina Harker story which Blumhouse and Miramax were playing and making together just weeks before they they were supposed to go before gamers that got scrapped likewise Robert Eggers who was just recently on a, a Mark Marin's great podcast you know WTF he mentioned that his he's been working on a remake of Nosferatu for years, and it was, you know, finally ready to get rolling. And
1: I think there have been a number of runs at Nosferatu in the last couple of years because uh, Doug Jones was supposed to be playing Nosferatu uh, in he, one version just a few years ago. Uh,
0: he would have been great.
1: Oh, absolutely right. Yeah, I mean yeah. the the body type alone—you really don't have to do much, yeah. but put some pointy teeth in his mouth, and you're done. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean he's a he's a wonderful actor; would have been a perfect match for that. But then again, Robert Eggers is a wonderful director that's been doing some amazing work as well. So, I would love mm-hmm. to have seen what his version of Nosferatu would have ended up being. And the weird thing is, Nosferatu is a movie that was made because someone couldn't get the rights to do a proper Dracula movie. Is that true, yeah, really? Yeah, totally. It is a direct ripoff of Bram Stoker's Dracula because they couldn't get the rights to film Dracula, so they just went, oh, I change the names so and tell the same story and voila, Nosferatu.
0: I did not know that. And and you would think, particularly at this moment with the, the Northmen out in theaters, that Akers could get something like that going. And certainly anyone who who saw his The Witch film. Uh,
1: I think the mo- most brilliant premise of that movie was just placing it in a time where wit- witches were real without explanation. You didn't need to go and come up with a sciency hocus-pocus, you know, they were using midichlorians, Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no BS <laughs> like that. You just went, witches are real. Ah, we yeah. burn people for it. The end. If we call <laughs> you a witch, we can tie you to a stake and light you on fire until you stop screaming. That's uh-huh. it, you know, and it's like, oh, geez, well. Now the stakes are up just because people believe this, whether it's true mm-hmm. or not, doesn't matter. And so, yeah, the, the premise of the movie, I just really love that he put it in that time where you don't have to explain it. You can just start having weird stuff happen, point at a mm-hmm. girl and go,
0: which man!" Mm. It just kind of kills me that that's not going to go forward now, given what he can do of yeah. what, what he can, can pull through a camera. But by the way, I, I want to point out, it's not all vampire films that have been derailed by what happened with Morbius. For example, Blade, uh, Blade is still all systems go. The word right now is they start shooting in July in Atlanta and even has a working title at this point. It's called perfect imprints and the current rumored release date is November 13th of next year 2023 so we talked about what's going on you know with Sony uh, and so meanwhile at Disney's CinemaCon presentation Kevin Feige started it all off and got on stage and Wanted to remind the exhibitors that it was three years ago this month that Endgame was in theaters, and it did pretty well. And over the past couple of years or so, it's been, you know, we're all asking ourselves, will we ever experience anything like that again? But, you know, thanks to Black Widow and Shang-Chi, we showed that superhero movies could go back into theaters. And that Marvel Studios, we make movies for big screens and for big crowds. And Kevin made a point of mentioning that after he was finishing up that presentation at CinemaCon, he was headed out for the first creative retreat that Marvel Studios have had in the past three years. And the plan is that at this retreat, they're going to lay out the next 10 years of the MCU. And he made a point of... The next 10 years of theatrical releases, not the limited series. And he he stressed that they are big and they are meant for your theaters. I was
1: kind of wondering if we're ever going to get to a point where Marvel gets the bright idea to go and and do a Disney plus series, say six episodes like Moon Knight Mm -hmm. and leave us with a cliffhanger. And then, as the credits are rolling, a trailer plays. It goes in theaters in one month. Moon Knight, the finale, sucker. <laughs> and then you have to go buy a ticket and go. What happened to Moon Knight at the end of the story? And watch it in theaters.
0: Ron Howard. I, I think we've talked about this. yeah previous,
1: about the Dark like- Tower series about yeah, doing one season yeah. as a book and one season as a movie and or one yeah one book as a movie.
0: toggling back and forth between. You know, and doing just that. And that's always fascinated me. You know, the notion of could you do that? Would an audience, you know, watch a season of television and then use my $15? I got to find out what happens next. And then return to watching a season of television. I mean, I just wonder if we're in that space yet where people are like, you know, (laughs) again, they're all Philip J. Fry. (laughs) Take my money right well i think these first few
1: series like the first year of marvel Mm -hmm. television that we got was like Mm -hmm. obviously one division falcon winter soldier Mm -hmm. and then hawkeye Mm -hmm. and they're all characters that we know and are already established and then we Mm -hmm. get to like the next year and we you know are kicking off with moon knight which is a new character Mm -hmm. to us and Mm -hmm. i think that marvel is still in the training process of the Pavlov dogs and, and the bells for salivating mm-hmm. for dinner is we we have to get you trained to watch all of these series and get hooked on them. And they can tell from, you know, tweets and social media, whether it's a hit or not. And mm-hmm. obviously from the views that they get off the servers and it's one thing to get a spin. It's another thing, whether the person liked that episode that they just got done watching. Right. So you, you know, mm-hmm. yes, you played it, but did you enjoy it? So you have to kind of mm-hmm. jump over to social media and, and look for the answers there. But I would think at some point they're going to get money hungry because they're a company that's made to make money. That's what they mm-hmm. do. So they go, Hey, everyone's raving about this thing. You know, mm-hmm. if we're selling them 15 bucks for the, the monthly privilege or whatever of, of the service, mm-hmm. uh, if you get the bundled package, whatever the price is, and then another 15 bucks the next you know weekend, if we do a, a movie that caps it off in the theaters and voila, we've made $30 that month. We've doubled our intake for all the people that watch that show and mm-hmm. because everyone's used to star wars being on a, a, a movie and now they're getting used to how much fun they have in a series. Why mm-hmm. couldn't we have a book of Boba Fett movie and Capra thing? You know, why not? We like mm-hmm. money. Let's do it. They, someone's got to pitch that at some point. You're not wrong. I don't think it's a good idea. I'm just saying it's bound to happen.
0: But conversely though, I wonder if at some point further on down the line, You know how Fathom Events will do the 40th anniversary of Star Trek The Motion Picture and they put it back in theaters or or Casablanca or something like that? What if at some point in the future say sort of like what they do in New York or did in New York when it was doing Harry Potter and the Cursed Child was two evenings of theater. And in fact, you know, there were days when you could go and watch Cursed Child part one as a matinee and then come back that night and catch the second half of the story at the evening I'm just wondering, because so many people have been talking about how visually impressive moon night is Mm -hmm. and how they would have loved to have seen this up on the big screen that, Maybe at some point further on down the line, someone will get the bright idea of cutting together, say, episode one, two, three as, you know, a, a part a, one
1: movie. And then, yeah, the right. Yeah,
0: because I, I would like to see this on a, I mean, don't get me wrong. We, we have our flat screen at home, but yeah, just, I would like to see this play out on a bigger screen. Anyway, uh, we were, I'm sorry. We, we've, we've wandered a field of, of CinemaCon. Feige was followed at the presentation by Tony Chambers, who is the head of distribution at Disney. And he got talking about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and how advanced ticket sales for that film now stand at $42 million. In fact, the first 24 hours that they were available for pre-sale was a year-to-date record for Fandango. So they're kind of reading the tea leaves right now. And it looks like Multiverse of Madness. We'll have an opening weekend in North America with ticket sales somewhere around uh, 150 million, which is obviously not in the same ballpark as uh, No Way Home, that was 260 million. But on the other hand, that's bigger than the Batman. By the way, did did you see that also coming out of CinemaCon from the Warner presentation? they indicated that there is a sequel to that Matt Reeves film coming.
1: Yeah. It was, was not surprised by that. It did very, very well for them. And, Mm -hmm. uh, they are also a company that enjoys, uh, the, the side effect of making money off of their Mm -hmm. artwork that they create. And, uh, yeah. So Batman, I mean, obviously if they're already talking about doing a penguin spinoff, and things of, of that nature, that means that they want to stay in that particular playground, that that particular version of Gotham. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I asked last time, what are you going to do, a Penguin show and Batman just doesn't exist? It seems like they kind of have to move forward with mm-hmm. uh, with Robert Pattinson's take on the character if they want to keep playing in that universe. It would seem weird to just have TV shows without his presence anywhere to be found.
0: By the way, bef- before I forget, last night I ended up on HBO and caught basically like the last half hour of the Batman. And oh you were not wrong about Colin Farrell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's crazy good in that. I mean, look at the makeup job. And he, it's a, really, that's Colin Farrell.
1: Yeah, there is absolutely no way that you would be able to pick him out of a crowd in that makeup uh, ever. <sighs> and, and it looked good. You know, I mean, we've seen the olden days of, putting someone you know adding weight to someone and Mm. it usually looked like they were wearing rubber i want to say that uh, stephen king's movie thinner where he starts off and he just looks like it's all silicone and Mm. does not look real at all until they get to you know the 120 pound version of him and then we get to the rest of the movie yeah i mean he just looks so great everything about it looked just incredibly realistic
0: by the way, I I, I I want to give you props. You you weren't wrong about the the angry whispering Batman. I you know I, again, I was very very grateful for subtitles. <laughs> you know, it's like I am the night. Like I am justice. There we go. Yeah, the, you know, I need to help people now. All right. So. Also, again, we we talked about how the folks in the Sony presentation got to see 15 minutes of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part One. Well, the folks who went to the Disney presentation got to see the first 20 minutes of Multiverse of Madness. And we now know where certain chunks of that trailer fit in, like the giant octopus character that was attacking New York. This evidently is when Dr. Strange meets America Chavez. This is happening in the current day, and Dr. Strange recognizes America because in the dreams he's been having, she's been showing up. Wait a minute, isn't that Dune?
1: I thought that was Timothy Chalamet in uh, Zendaya in Dune. I have dreams about a girl.
0: (laughs) Does this take place in a desert? Are there worms? (laughs) Given that Timothy Chalamet's next project is the Willy Wonka prequel, I hope they're not worms. They're gummy worms. There go- oh, there we go. We're covered. Anyway, we, we get to see Rachel Adams, Christine Palmer character, walking down the aisle, but now it's strange. And finally, at one point in this this 20 minutes of footage, Wong asks Strange if he knows anybody who has knowledge of the sort of sorcery that would cause this sort of thing. And, and at this point, that's when Stephen seeks out Wanda Maximoff. On the other hand, worth noting, in fact, the day this show drops, uh, on April 29th, Disney Plus will be debuting three new uh, Marvel Studios Legends programs. The three that are being done are, of course, Doctor Strange, Wong, and the Scarlet Witch. But the very first episode of Marvel Studios Legends was the one about Wanda Maximoff. And so evidently, this is a second episode only now about the Scarlet Witch, which you have to assume they're going to be mining WandaVision rather heavily to sort of tee up where this character is when Doctor Strange seeks her out for help.
1: Well, unless they're just going to be using the footage. I mean, you want new footage, right? Even if it's a Mm -hmm. documentary about a thing looking back, you still want footage from the new movie because you're in, in the promotion time of that new movie. Uh, A new movie came out. You want to watch that? Also, here's a thing behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. and it also has footage of that. And because Mm -hmm. uh, in WandaVision, she was Wanda Maximoff, who became the Scarlet Witch at the end of the movie. So if we're doing a look at the first one was a look at Wanda, this one's a look at the Scarlet Witch, which means maybe Mm -hmm. they're picking Mm -hmm. up with this character from the opening of Doctor Strange through to the end of it, because that is the
0: Scarlet Witch, quote unquote, character now. Hmm. Maybe. Speculation. That's the nice thing about this show going live on Friday. We can both find out on Friday. Um, Okay, back to CinemaCon. Folks who attended the Disney presentation also got a peek at Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and got to see a scene with Letitia Wright's Shuri character, Lupita Nyong'o's Nyaka character, and likewise Dana Gary's Okeo and the interesting thing is these three very fierce women were on the front lines of what looked to be a major battle, which seems to have been with a certain submariner.
1: How do you know that? Was there, was there seaweed around their neck and, and little fish marks sweat? Did they have they, fishing you know, rods with them going? We tried to lure him in. Lure. That's
0: a fishing joke, by the way. Uh, we tried to
1: lure him in, but he kept spitting out the tackle.
0: <laughs> What's, what, what happened? <laughs> the sad part of this is we'll know for sure uh, in a week's time when uh, multivis Madness finally opens in theaters with the understanding that the Black Panther teaser trailer for Wakanda Forever will be in front of that film. By the way, uh, since we're talking about trailers, the first trailer for Love and Thunder, Disney was, was trumpeting the fact that it got... In its first twenty-four hours, Aaron, two hundred and nine million views worldwide. But at the same time, I guess the whole notion was the at CinemaCon. So it's like, so is this a comedy, you know, or is this a adventure movie? What, what am I? What am I dealing with here?
1: What you can't have both in the same movie—a a road trip comedy—that's never happened before. Come on,
0: I, I, it's, know, that, it's that,
1: that's, Thor discovering himself, crossing distant stars with his buddy Korg and someone who hasn't been painted into the left yet of Thor in that one shot.
0: I <laughs> I forget who it was, you know, uh, was making the joke to the effect of it's, it's Thor by way of the big Lebowski. Yeah, so totally. All right. Pivoting now to theme park news. I'll tell you what folks, if you want to hear what the adventures campus at Walt Disney Studios park in Paris sounds like, People are now being told to go to the bathroom. What? To be specific, to go to the Tower of Terror toilets at that theme park, where the area of music for this yet-to-be-opened land is blasting now, evidently. Uh, this exclusive musical score... Featuring music from Alan Silvestri, Helen Henry Jackman, uh, Michael Giacchino, and Mark's Mother's Bach, was recorded in London earlier this year, supposedly at the Abbey Road Studios. So, are they playing it exclusively in the toilet of this attraction? That is where the area of music is now. Now, when the land opens up, uh, it will play there. But evidently, this is the bathroom that is closest to the entrance of the Avengers campus at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris.
1: So you're Alan Silvestri, and you've done, you know, a wonderful body of work. People respect you. You get a call from the Disney company. You answer the phone. Disney is calling me. Of course, it's going to be a very high-caliber piece of work. You want me to do... Music for the toilet now? What? Are you me? Hey, wait a minute. Is this Amber Heard? Blah, blah, blah.
0: <laughs> it's kind of like Slash. He was on uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR most recently. And he was telling the story about, you know, it, it, he's been in elevators and heard his own music. Sure. And it's yeah. like, really? That's what you decided to make, you know, into elevator music. It's just sort of like. You know, that's the thing. You, you write a song, you put it out in the world, you write a piece of music and you have no control over where it's going to end up. I
1: remember it was in the nineties doing a radio show, arguing with my program director about a song Mm -hmm. from tonic. And I was just like, this is a jam. It's awesome. He's like, oh my God, it's so rock and roll. Blow your hair back. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. It's screaming metal, man. Are you crazy? Mm -hmm. And now it's like the background jazz version in the dentist office of that song. It's the exact same thing. And you're like, yeah, you can tell that it was widely accepted by American culture and, and they okayed it and approved it. And now we've bastardized it and turned it into easy listening. Cause we've all turned 60. Uh, See, we saw well, it at the same
0: time. <laughs> well, no, I mean, just, uh, uh, because you could not have teed up the next piece of the show better. I mean, think about it. We were just talking last week about the the music that they they play in Cosmic Rewind, the the mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy, and, and again, you know, no, nobody writes a song thinking, well, someday this will be played in a roller coaster. Wait a minute. What about that song,
1: Roller Coaster? Didn't
0: well, well, they expect that to that. ever end up? And I mean, it's kind of on the nose, but they should have. It's one of those things where this is like the people who deliberately write the Christmas songs. Yeah. It's like, I want this to be played at Christmas yep. so I can make lots and lots of money. All right. Um, anyway, all right. We were talking about the new storytelling coaster at uh, Epcot mm-hmm. in World Discovery. Um, and what's interesting is they're finishing more and more of the attraction. So as they do the cast member previews, the cast members are getting to see more of the, uh, the ride and sharing with us. Uh, and so we talked about how last week we didn't have a whole lot of info about the pre-show. Well, now thanks to a friend of the show, NB. We know that in the pre-show, we get to see Glenn Close, who explains to us the technology that's now made it possible for Xandar to have this outpost at Epcot, that they have a generator technology that allows them to create artificial wormholes. And what's also funny is we've we've learned... That Terry Crews is now part of this attraction. So I've always been a big Terry Crews fan. So yeah. it's great that he's there. Wait a minute. Terry hasn't been used in the MCU so far yet, has he? No, this is him making his debut.
1: I hope it's a character that can be reutilized somewhere in the future other than just the theme park ride. Because that would be a, a shame if we can't use him just because he's been used for a, a one-time knockoff.
0: I agree. And yes, it would be interesting to have somebody introduced in a theme park ride make their way to the MCU. But anyway, so we mentioned that generator technology. This is what the Celestial shows up and steals. And supposedly he's now going to use that to change time. And it's Terry who actually reaches out to the Guardians and gets in touch with Rocket. And Rocket is the one who basically gives us all the information that, okay, we're going to all chase after the celestial and try to reclaim this generator. And at that point that's when we run to our ride vehicle and the fun begins. Hmm. So, while we're talking about uh Guardians, something really not all that fun happened to Chris Pratt this week and brought an interesting response from James Gunn. And we'll get to that in a moment. Aaron, I don't need to tell you that James Gunn is very much out there on social media. In fact, just this past week, he mentioned that the making of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special has wrapped. In fact, he showed off the cast gift that was given to the cast and the crew for for working on this project, and it's a set of eight Christmas ornaments that shows all of the, the central Guardians characters, and what's kind of interesting is You get to see on the Christmas ornament a much more buff, grown-up version of Groot, which is interesting because if you remember the version of Groot we see in the Thor Love and Thunder trailer, he's still teenage Groot. So some time will pass.
1: Unless he had a growth spurt, you know, he planted down in a pot with a lot of water and fertilizer
0: and bat guano and eggshells. Could have been just over a, a single week. Yeah. But this wasn't the only thing that James put out there on social media over the past week. He felt like he had to come to Chris Pratt's defense because there was this gentleman online who basically outed the church that he thought Chris Pratt was going to. And then outed the gay conversion therapy and the various controversial stuff that's done at this church. And he then turned around and put a petition online to the effect of, it's time for the MCU to recast the role of Star-Lord. Because, you know, clearly Chris Pratt, doesn't reflect the sort of values that you know we want out there.
1: But he's okay for a dino wrangler. Well, the petition doesn't cover that movie or the, any other things, just the MCU? Evidently. Okay. And
0: so James Gunn comes out hot and heavy defending Chris Pratt. They initially posed that, you're trying to get Chris Pratt fired. For what? Yeah, Because of your made-up, utterly false beliefs about him? For something that someone else told you about him that's not true? Chris Pratt would never be replaced as Star-Lord. But if he was, we would all be going with him, as in the rest of the cast would walk out the door with him. And when this person came back as a like, well, he belongs to this church, and it espouses gay conversion therapy, and gun comes back again, and it's like, He's never been confirmed as a member of the church, you know, and I know the church he currently goes to. Do you? The answer is you don't. But you heard from someone who heard from someone who heard from someone where he goes to church. So, yeah, you decided, I believe this terrible thing I heard online about this celebrity. I mean, face it, it's not that like Chris Pratt is wanting for work. In fact, you know, you mentioned the Jurassic World sequel coming out. Uh, in fact, they they just announced that the the Mario Brothers movie that uh, he's voicing the title character for mm. that just got pushed off to next summer as well because <laughs> pandemic. Really? But hasn't James Gunn basically alluded to the fact that this is the last Guardians project?
1: Yeah, yeah, he don't he don't mind. He's he's ready to move on to other things, and it may be other things within the MCU, it may be other things within the Disney company, it could be any number of things, but he's not. You know, required to stay doing this for the rest of his natural life. so uh, mm-hmm. yeah, good for good for him for having a plan. He's got other itches to scratch.
0: Mm-hmm. I think what may be in the mix here is a lot of people in the industry are looking at the box office for secrets of Dumbledore, the the latest fantastic beast movie. And, you know, frankly, how poorly it's performing at the box office. and Well, a lot of people are quick to point, well, this is the film series that Johnny Depp was in, and then he had his troubles. And this is also the film that Ezra Miller is in, who once again just got arrested in Hawaii. And, of course, there's J.K. Rowling, uh, you know, who
1: has said some things that also are troubling. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just wondering, I mean, those are all factors, certainly, I mean, that Mm -hmm. would contribute to a small chipping away. But my main thing is, don't you think that maybe and I don't mean this in an insulting way at all, but maybe Mm -hmm. the target demographic of Harry Potter back then has aged out of their fascination with Harry Potter. They've become full grown, functioning adults and, you know, they may see that the movie's coming out, but they'll go, "Uh, maybe I'll, I'll catch that if I have a couple hours and it's on Netflix because they're not the same 12 year old that they
0: were 20 years ago. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But the interesting thing that, that Alice pointed out to me last night mm. was to the effect of another thing to consider here is that what JK Rowling has said most recently has so offended the very group you're talking sure. about, the, the the folks that aged out that, you know, to the effect of, yeah, I don't necessarily need to see this movie. What I loved as a kid, the person who's in charge of it now is saying things that I hate, I find troubling. Right. So I'm going to hold back. And you have to wonder, because Warner Brothers... There's supposed to be two more of these fantastic beast movies in fact coming out of the Warner's presentation absolutely no mentions of you know hey what's happening with Fantastic Beast 4 and 5
1: Don't you love things like the Golden Compass We're going to tell you a grand story oh. over six beautiful chapters of these wonderful books that you love so what what we're going to we're going to do one and call it good okay sorry mm.
0: it's so fascinating you say that because they were pointing out another thing that got announced in fact at the universal presentation at CinemaCon, they've made the decision they're they're doing the movie version of the broadway hit wicked but they've decided to take wicked and split it into two movies and somebody in the industry pointed out well you know they did that with allegiant i guess they took the last book of that young adult series yeah, yeah, yeah And it did so poorly at the box office that they never made part two.
1: I actually, I believe we're going to turn it into a TV series for a minute oh, and, oh. and cheap that out and like recast everybody. And like the cast of the movie were like, "What? We've never heard such a thing. We're still doing the movie, right? Right? And then, like, nothing happened. I don't know what. Oh, yeah, Um. it did not end well for them. And I wonder who's holding their breath right now. Like, uh, not like Jeff Bezos has to worry about losing money, but didn't he spend, it was like 428 million to produce season one of the Lord of the Rings prequel for Amazon. Oh, yes. and it's like you look at what disney's done with their marvel stuff and their star wars mm-hmm. stuff and they've been using the void you know to mm-hmm. to do a lot of that wonderful stuff in camera real time mm-hmm. and make it look beautiful and uh i wonder if bezos is looking over your shoulder go. how much did you pay for that wow that looks really good guys can i get one i don't i don't <laughs> see I, I looked on amazon i wanted free shipping and we don't have one.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, well, we well, well. Thank you for mentioning what Disney's doing with like Book of Boba Fett and the like. Because we now pivot to talking about Episode Five of Moon Knight, which made some amazing use of that technology. I mean, where we went with this episode between the field of reeds and back to Chicago and all manner of places. I mean, this episode was all over the place visually and and location wise, but you were talking about what a gut punch this story was. Oh, I've ordered a t-shirt online.
1: Mm-hmm. They're really quick with their merchandising, by the way. This is a specific one for episode five. It says okay. I came for the action and all I got was the emotional torment.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. I felt uh, so bad. Like I'm sitting there like, oh it's dusty in here. I'm not crying i mean he's going through stuff can you not appreciate mm-hmm. that i mean come on guys he's going through some things right now oh my god <laughs> so yeah i was i was expecting you know we got to have the return of moon Knight. i was just saying in the last episode we had no moon Knight. what the heck mm-hmm. so obviously in episode five we're gonna get some right no mm-hmm. we're gonna do this this thing but now i'm confused about a couple of things and it's a matter mm-hmm. of trying to figure out how wrong I am. Cause usually I'm mm-hmm. spectacularly wrong. So I was thinking mm-hmm. about Jake, the third personality. Mm-hmm. Do we even have time for Jake anymore? We're going into the final episode and we haven't even said his name out loud. So part of me, as we were going through this episode was thinking, we're not going to get this dude at all in season one, or maybe even later mm-hmm. was my thought anyway. And then someone had pointed out online that the scene where, He's in the doctor's office talking with Ethan Hawke, and he gets this enraged look on his face, and he grabs this really sharp piece of crystal off the desk, and he gets all threatening and mouthy. But he's not really using an accent that either Stephen Grant or Mark Spector use. So was that our first look at Jake,
0: and we didn't even realize it? And let me just put another piece down here that people can noodle at. If you watch the credits, and you know how they have the elaborate visuals for each of the title cards. Mm. When you get to Oscar Isaac, the image that they show you is three mask-like heads right next to one another. Mm. And the notion is, okay, you know, we've met Mark, we've met Steven, who's the third head?
1: Yeah, because they still have uh, moments that neither of them can remember having. So that leads Mm. you to a pro Jake column. And Mm. then uh, Oscar Isaac was on with, Seth Meyers on the, the mm-hmm. tonight show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as Seth was introducing him, he's like, okay, you play in moon Knight, and you play like a, a guy with the dissociative identity disorder and you play two different versions of him." and Oscar correct me said two that we're aware of. Mm-hmm. And they let him continue. And it was like, okay, so he's implying that there could be more. Why would he mm-hmm. do that? Unless there was actually more. So, yeah. So I'm still leaning that Jake could show up in episode six. Maybe he's the cliffhanger where mm-hmm. we think that Mark Spector is is all by himself and Stephen Grant is, spoiler alert, lost to time forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, what if he's the cliffhanger at the end of uh, episode six and he just shows up and he goes, how you doing? My name's Jake. Let's go murder some people. What? Huh?
0: What? <laughs> huh? Huh? <laughs> This is what I was saying at the top of the show. I'm, I'm I'm genuinely concerned at this point that if we're going with a standard length episode, is there a way they can can wrap this up at this point? I have
1: a feeling they have to do at least like an hour, an hour twenty, maybe. Come on, mm. you think mm. they, it seems like they've got a lot of ground left to cover?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we've got to
1: free mm. the the god, you know, from his statue. So that's a little mini Indiana Jones adventure right there for Layla is Mm -hmm. the only person left on the outside because mark's Mm -hmm. dead Mm -hmm. and he's gonna he's got to get back to our world through Mm -hmm. okay so we're skipping over so many things the most important thing jim that i think we've neglected and i have to apologize Mm -hmm. for we haven't talked about the beauty of the hippo's ear twitch (laughs) come on (laughs) you know what i'm talking about right
0: uh, I I have to admit, for me, what was fascinating about Tarowet, I think, is how we pronounce her name. The the goddess of women and children, totally CG character. You just buy her. You just buy that. You know, oh dear. You know that I, I got to look what's going on with the scaler. I have a card for that. And it just it's such a wonderful performance of a very distinct character. But yeah, you. I mean, the crazy amount of detail about. This really wants to do her job well, but it's like, it's never done that before. And I, I'm so sorry. I really, I, I really tried. I was really pulling for you guys.
1: The missing note cards f- scene felt like very Dean from community where he's like, some will say life is hard, but yeah. welcome to Greendale. Nope. Nope. I yeah. see it. That, we, there's a card missing. <laughs> you know, yep. just like, yeah. that was, it was almost that scene like verbatim when she was going through that. I like, yeah, this has never happened before. We don't have a card for this. Uh, we're going to have to wing it. And uh, the sailing through the sands and and the storytelling of it. And so there's a scene there where like souls are falling from the sky and she's like, oh, no. Mm. And then she's got to turn the boat around. So is that Mm. Ethan Hawke has released the goddess and now he's just flinging souls willy nilly because he's got that kind of power. Is that what we're supposed to get from that moment?
0: That's what I was thinking as well. With all these souls falling from the sky, it's like, okay. Well, I mean, you know, if, if
1: the MCU has already gone through the Thanos snapping, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden it's raining men, souls, mm-hmm. or, and female souls, and mm-hmm. uh, that that means a lot of people in some area are, are being killed. I mean, people in the MCU just got, you know, like the everyday workers gotta be like, hey, Martha, did you see that, uh, you know, 30,000 people just disappeared again? Like, oh, was it Thanos' younger brother? <laughs> Does he not know how to use the glove yet? I thought we just lose half the people. Is it are we got new rules to how this works now? I don't know. They just disappeared. Uh. They didn't they didn't leave a note or anything. How are we supposed to
0: know? Literally, I I feel like, and again, you've pointed out constantly that Kevin Feige obviously pays attention to this show. You know, (laughs) I I feel like we just made the agenda for the latest creative charrette. It's like, wait a minute. All right. You know, hang on. You know, that's that's actually the
1: the viewpoint of Alex Ross's marvels was from the viewpoint of the reporter who is on the street level and sees these superheroes flying over his head. So it's all drawn from the the ground level perspective as these battles happen and uh they actually tried to do a tv show like that with dc Mm. characters and i can't remember who it was that played like uh a lawyer for when you know (sighs) building topples you know you call us and we'll you know sue superman for you i
0: I saw
1: this Yeah, yeah yeah it was only Um, on for like a couple episodes before it got yanked but it was pretty enjoyable because if you're in on the gag you know they did it well
0: Didn't Alan Tudyk play like a, a cousin of Bruce Wayne that worked for this corporation? Yeah. And, and yes, the whole notion of, do we have the paperwork for that? So the other thing here, the heartbreak was matched with some incredible visuals. And I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not just talking about that that amazing image at the end where Stephen is in the, the field of reeds. Oh, well, no, wait a minute. Mark is in this, the, the field of reads.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dr. Stephen Grant has gone to the sand.
0: There we go. There we go. But the way we learned what happened to Mark and in fact, oh God, that moment where he finally really breaks and we see him make the call to his mom. Right. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> it
1: is. It is a very tragic story. You know, and the way that it's structured is done well because they would put you in, in Stephen Grant's shoes. Because Steven doesn't know how he came into being. Mm -hmm. So as we discover the, the loss of a brother and that it was a character. I mean, the last episode, my first question was, you know, where does the second personality come from? How, how is it born and how does it grow? And they showed Mm -hmm. us just that, you know, loss of a brother, but it's not the brother that he's adopting as a personality. Mm -hmm. It's the adventurer that they were playing as that was brave. He takes on that personality to protect himself from the, the physical abuse that he's going to receive at home. Hmm. And there was so much explained without it being dialogue heavy. It was just some images that showed you a story and you go, oh, I get it. Now the emotional weight of that story is very, very heavy. And you really start to feel for a, you learn for Stephen Grant. He's learning that he's a piece of fiction. He's not even real that's a head game right there that most people don't even want to get into in, in like psych class. What if you found out you're a figment of your own imagination? Ah, I don't even want to think about that. Uh, yeah, so that that is a, a thing that you have to look at. But then after you get past that, it's a, about what Mark had to do for himself to survive that environment, which is pretty severe. So, I mean, there's just this dead heavy weight that fills this entire episode. Like I said, I'm ordering the t-shirt. I came for the action. All I got was the emotional trauma because it was just hard to watch. I mean, I love the characters and I felt for them in ways that I have not felt for a fictional character in a long time. So I think that's a very, very high mark of success.
0: Well, I'm, I'm hoping when we get around to Emmy season, that that Oscar Isaac's performance is, is remembered and, and, you know, sees some professional recognition, because when you think about how much of this is Mark Isaacs talking to himself, mm. you know, these two distinct characters who, especially in this episode, you know, the, the heartbreak, the, uh, and I guess just every time he raced up that set of stairs, it got worse. Right. It was just sort of like, don't go up the stairs again. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Haven't you learned there's nothing good up there?
0: yeah but no this is again just wonderful piece of television but at the same time i just don't know how we're gonna one episode left how you wrap this up well i'm more
1: curious about how marvel is going to handle this character moving forward once this season wraps up because i you know with Wanda Vision and falcon and the winter soldier i think that's very easy to see Mm -hmm. how that moves forward obviously wanda is in doctor strange coming up shortly and we're going to end up having a captain america four or whatever if they rename it captain america the new guy Mm. or whatever doesn't matter (laughs) uh we're going to get a new captain america movies the point right so Mm. we can see easily in our imagination how these characters still fit into the mcu moving forward i Mm. don't see how moon knight fits going forward and i'm also wondering what are his numbers for views? I wish we could peek into Disney's stats and see, has it been really popular? Because normally we get these trumpeting of the most views of any Disney thing ever. And so far, has not it been kind of quiet on
0: the moon night front? Well, with- they did announce its initial week's worth of numbers. I think Disney's attitude these days is okay. You know, This is how we did a front and, Then when it comes to these limited series, it's like, okay, this is how we did with our last episode. This is the long Mm. overall views to date. And remember, you know, what's fascinating about these shows is you don't necessarily have, at least not yet, the traditional additional revenue streams. You don't have the action figures and and the like, not yet. All we have so far is the weekly costume that turns up in, you know, California adventures, Avengers campus. And I'm, I'm almost afraid to see what, the costume would be this week. If it's Roro, I'm not go going to that theme park. But yeah, I at the hippo. Please, please make it the hippo. You know the, the, that hippo is definitely going to be a toy. It's definitely yeah. going to be part of the Marvel
1: Legends line. Uh, mm. Let me let me say that over for Marvel people that are listening. Hasbro, are you listening? Mm. Tune in closely. Mm-hmm. All right, mm. we want the hippo as a toy.
0: Thank you. Yeah, that we do. That we do. All right. Well, folks, I think that's going to do it for this week. But in the meantime, Aaron, if folks are looking for you on social media, where might they be able to find you?
1: Over on Twitter is the easiest place at AzaProd and you'll find a little discoveries, a little things I discovered. I was so excited last week. I posted all over Twitter about how I purchased a new time machine on eBay. Oh, I I just got it today. So upset. It's a freaking alarm clock. (laughs) Uh, I was going to change so many things. So many things. There we go. All right.
0: Um, All right. So for us on social media, uh, Nancy would like to remind you, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media. And on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. If you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend uh, the show you're listening to right now, that that would be incredibly helpful. And again we'll we'll finish up with Moon Knight and we'll get start talking about what's going on with multiverse. But till then, thanks for listening.